590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leaves Sabres tonight from the Queen City. I, I'm the king of asking you about idioms. Do we know why Buffalo is the Queen City? Yeah, the Queen City is generally, and I guess this is probably not the case okay. in this instance. So I don't know why it's the Queen City here. But usually it's like a notable city in a state or a province that's not the capital. Okay. Or the most populous, right? That feels somewhat apt for... So it's not the King City, it's the Queen City. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the Queen City is what they they they, they call Buffalo. Anyways, okay. um, this regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs... Yeah, you nailed it's, it. Just it's, for the record, I, I did a Googling and a Buffalo website, uh, Buffalo radio website said that's true. So good job by you. Thanks, buddy. Um, this Toronto Maple Leafs regular season has had its ups and downs, its mm-hmm. twists and turns, but I think we're at a the, lot of vacation as well. It, yeah, it's it's gone to various different locales on planet Earth, including across the Atlantic Ocean. It started out of the chute. Mm-hmm. With six goals in the first two games for Austin Matthews. We liked. And and since then, all he's done is kept up the pace of 60 plus or 70 plus goals this season. They're a team that's with a game in hand, six points back of the Boston Bruins for top uh, of the Atlantic division. Mm-hmm. They've got William Nylander on a career pace. They got Mitch Marner pretty close to a career pace as well. Mm-hmm. This is a team that is scoring at a higher rate than they did a season ago. Now, mm. in an overall, like the fancy stats outside of the goal scoring have been a little bit depressed, but this is a team that like on a nightly basis is likely to score five goals yes. in a third period to come back from a five, nothing deficit and send it to overtime. They played lots of overtime games. Yeah. Like this team is playing some entertaining freaking hockey. And Very I would argue so. that when you see the NHL schedule uh, on a, on a daily basis, and, like, obviously, we're plugged in. We know when the Leafs are playing, you know, we set up our whole week of shows understanding when they play. But, like... Uh, set up my life. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you wake up from... Uh, I'll just speak from experience. Sometimes when I wake up from my nap, I'm like, where am I? What day is it? What's going on? And then you're, oh, at least play tonight. Right. That'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... Like, the, the feeling that you get around the idea that this Leafs team is going to play a regular season game is excitement. Yep. And, honestly, I was thinking back to... Not just Leaf seasons, mm-hmm. but Raptors, Blue yep. Jays seasons of recent vintage, mm-hmm. and and where the excitement, the anticipation for a regular season Leaf game in twenty twenty three twenty four ranks in comparison. I can sure. I'll, I'll you, you you can go next. Okay, I'll just I'll just <laughs> I'm say, gonna let you talk. Go ahead. I'll just say for me. Sure. The number I don't, and I kind of feel like this is unassailable. And not to say that like the payoff was like we were talking regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it wasn't it wasn't the the one championship season that we've seen in 2019 for the Raptors because Kawhi didn't play mm-hmm. like it wasn't oh exhilarating to see hey well, actually when Kawhi did play you're like oh well, yeah. they're they're oh we get to see him one of the 60 times like he's gonna comment. play this yeah so it wasn't the 2019 2018 2019 Raptors season it was post trade deadline for the Blue Jays in 2015 every single mm. day and it like that's the sport where you play every single yep. day every single day you got to see. Troy Tulowitzki and David Price on on a Every David Price day. yeah yep. it's start day but then yeah Edwin Encarnacion Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. Jose Bautista like and the number of games that that team won and like the the just like perfect team that seemed built mm-hmm. in that moment and the fact that they had ground to make up in yep. the playoff chase that was the most exhilarating 
regular season or the most anticipation I ever had for regular season games in recent memory? I this will shock you. I have a different answer. I don't think you're wrong. I think if we're just doing a actual like we could if if we could do the thing I hate about sports now of have a quantifiable answer for that of entertainment per 60 to put it in a hockey parlance. I do think that is the correct answer. I just by happenstance, I'd bought tickets well in advance and I was at the first David Price start. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Like it was oh, a really fun time to be in the city. Didn't he have a bases loaded jam that yeah, he got out. It was of incredible. Too. And there was a whole thing about him coming here and it's like he got stuck in Detroit and the oh, dog yeah. and the car broke down. And it was a whole story. It was fun. Tulowitzki. So I actually think if we're just being pragmatic about it, that is the correct answer. So good yeah. job. So good See? job by you. But for me, me personally, yeah. the most, and I actually think this, most people will roll their eyes at this and say, oh, did not enjoy. The most I have ever enjoyed getting up for regular season games was the All-Canadian Division. Oh, my God. You're, the Leafs I, I was just terrified that you were going to say that. Rough shot. What is wrong and with you? If I, if I don't have to oh think about God. the end, what do you mean? It's no. the only good thing going on it, in the world was that the Leafs geez. are just running rough shot. They oh go into God. Edmonton. They shut Brent. down McDavid. Three different. Yeah, sorry. I love the Leafs, no, man. No. How dare you say Brent to that? Oh, yeah. That's your no, name. No, you're right. It was so unfun to just every day turn on the TV and go, which one of the teams? Teams that hates us the most are we gonna punch in the oh mouth? Oh, it was so delicious! I loved it. You I loved it. I loved you, it. You were able to escape the waking hell that was living in a pandemic. <laughs> and it, it was, was literally—it was literally the only good thing going on. They took away my yeah, golf courses. Well, I wasn't allowed to do any sure. of that. All I had was the, the least laying the boot. The results? What result? The, the Blue Jays ended so No, 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 great. no. I'm oh. saying the, the results is what would, oh. would lead you. I, yeah. the, the, okay. Don't be defensive. I'm, I'm very defensive. I'm about to tell you why you're wrong, though. Okay. I mean, God, you're wrong for so many different reasons. I knew you were going <laughs> to hate that answer. I knew the it was going to be your of, least favorite answer Leafs, of all time. I have Leafs seasons <laughs> yeah, I know. on this list. That Not that one. Because like, I actually made an amendment. I had a different leaf season as one, and I changed my mind. You're I put such that to an one. idiot. No, I'm not. <laughs> Guess what? Like, yeah, it was so sad to see the empty buildings oh. and like, oh, remember we were like, you know what? Maybe there's a thing here that you play a team like three times in a row. That'll be good, and you know, it'll be good to play the same teams. All no, that was hell. Like that was awful. Like. How sick were we? I, I, I guess I shouldn't Speak throw for yourself. Yeah. How sick was I of seeing the Oilers yeah, again I know. and the I know. Canadians again? And secondarily, that team was a certified killing machine. Yeah, because they were impossible to score against. Yep. The, the, they didn't play like Kitty Bar the Door like incredibly Scoreboard. up and down. Hockey. I like watching the Leafs oh win. Scoreboard. It was the, so was fun. Not exhilarating to watch. It was so fun every night watching yeah, them three play separate the, goalies and they the boots to went Canadian to Edmonton teams. allowed yeah. one goal. It was incredible. Like, that's because they played Cry. incredible team defense. Was, I loved it. Oh my god, I loved it. It was so fun. <laughs> you liked it better than the first year of Austin Matthews, so where he, he starts was, out of the gate and it's like nothing but upside. He so scores four goals. I did and forty goals in his first season, and they make the playoffs out of nowhere. I did, like, come on. I, what are you talking about? I did have that as one on my list, but then I thought. 
thought about it more and I remembered how much I hated everything else in the world at that time and the Leafs being my lone shining light and oh did they shine so bright that year I will not be talked off this have a take don't suck shout out Jim Rome shout out to me for that opinion it's so bad no it's not it's great it's so bad uh also in the running I would say sure. was uh the 60-goal Austin Matthews season in which they racked up 115 points. I have that as four on my list of Leaf seasons in the Matthews era. Really? Yeah, so I'll give you the order uh, that I initially had before I broke your brain. Uh, All gravy year, first year, so fun. Mm -hmm. Canadian division. This year, Matthews 60, first of our season, and then I think you can quibble about the other ones. Yeah, that's the, my order. The Matthew 60 season before we're like, oh, I don't know if you can score 60 yeah. again in, in the NHL. But now that it's just like n- no big deal. Again, Austin Matthews on pace for 70, but not running away with the rocket. Yeah. Right. Because like, everybody. That's Brock why Besser is going to score 60. I initially year. had the 60 goal season above it. And I will say if we're just doing like what we care about personally, mm-hmm. I was working the games. I was in the barn for half of the home games. It was incredible being mm-hmm. a part of that ride and watching it every single Single night is, you know, like not that I'm not watching it now, but there's something about being there. I initially did have Matthew 60 above this year, but he's he's on pace for more than 60 goals, and I think this year has been more exhilarating than that one. So I that's why say, I have it above it on my list. I get shout out to the Raptors in 1920, not 1819 no, no, no. again. Post year, yeah, because Ka- Kawhi barely played, mm-hmm. and there was just a ton of pressure on this team yeah. to do something because of the the leverage situation they mm-hmm. put themselves in and acquiring Kawhi Leonard. 1920 was the like everybody picking the Raptors to like if they're going to be a playoff team yep. be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff mm-hmm. pile but yeah don't be surprised if they find themselves on the outside looking in and there they were at the top of the Eastern Conference before the world ended but like yeah no, that was god if only we had gotten to see that team mm-hmm play its season out without Pascal Siakam being able, unable to shoot a basketball in a hoop for yep. two months how that would have looked but no that there was that was of recent vintage, the yep. regular season that was most fun to watch for the Raptors because it was sticking it to everybody in the NBA on a nightly basis. I agree. If we're going to go, if we're going to expand it and, you know, keeping it in the timelines of those 15, 16 Blue Jays seasons, I don't have the year, but the first year the Raptors got to 50 wins with DeMar mm-hmm. and Kyle. That was special for a franchise that had had, you know, nice years and Chris Bosh was fun and the Vinci years, they had their time and they had, a, you know, the odd moment in playoffs. But that was, there was something about just the franchise feeling so relevant for the, and you know, again, yeah. we all know how it ended. Guess what? We all know how most of these things end. Okay. Other than the 2019 yeah, yeah, we're talking Raptors, about the regular season. That, so I do have to, I do want to give another like kind of honorable mention. I'm not going to put it with the Leaf seasons or the, as I, as I said, the correct answer you gave yeah. of the Blue Jays post trade right. deadline that year. But I think there was really something special about those North division. Yeah. Sorry, I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. I love hockey and and love watching the Leafs beat up on Canadian teams. I know. I'm so sorry, Ben. Yeah, it's sound, sorry I offended but no, your that's, sensibilities. The whole thing about that season, it was like, yeah, you laid it out, and it's like there were people. I was one of. Them, I was like, this is gonna be a a revolutionary thing, and we're gonna want this to extend beyond this year because it's gonna be so great, and mm-hmm. it sucked so hard. <laughs> Yeah, disagree. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Post-Rudy Gay trade in uh, 13-14 was some fun as hell uh, basketball as well with that team playing uh, some great team basketball, some great defense, and out of nowhere, too. That was the thing. It was out of nowhere before losing in seven uh, to the Nets. All right. uh, So Leafs, I assume starting Martin Jones tonight. Like, there hasn't been – they didn't practice yesterday. So I guess we got to guess about it. 
I don't. He didn't do anything against the Rangers that would, unless you, you're really going to fault him on the, again the partial breakaway goal, which he he put his hand up and faulted himself. A weirdo goal in an, in and of itself, but I don't think he's done anything to nope. deserve to lose the net. But I mean, I guess you got to get Ilya Samsonov in there again at some point. Have the Leafs done a good job of their goaltending over over this this this? The span of games. So it's st- this, this, I guess this generation started mm-hmm. with the Lou Lamorello acquisition of Frederick Anderson, which actually worked out uh, like, great really job. well. Great that job was, by him. Yep. That, and you can point to the postseason numbers as sure. not being ideal. And certainly the game seven. For a lot number, of guys. The game seven numbers, not, not so great either. But he did the job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody has who's been acquired. And, and guys that have, boy, I mean, this franchise has gone out and got, gotten not the the number one goalie in various places like Vesa Toskala, yep. and assuming that it would work in a increased workload, and it hasn't. That did. Frederick Anderson worked out. Since then, Jack Campbell was acquired to be a backup, and then he emerges as a starter. And not only is he the starter, uh, but Kyle Dubas rightly has a limit at which he will spend yep. on uh, retaining him in free agency, doesn't go over it, and that looks like the, the smartest decision he's ever made. They go out in free agency and a acquire Ilya Samsonov after he was non-tendered by the Washington yep. Capitals. He's a former first-round pick. He has a career year. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, Matt Murray was acquired for assets, which I, you know, okay, you can yep. quibble with the price paid mm-hmm. and and the the amount of cap hit that was still remaining to him, but they made him disappear. They did. And there were actual moments last year during the regular season where, yeah, when Samsonov went down, he mm-hmm. actually carried the load. Anyways, in an overall sense, yep. Leafs got the job done, save percentage last year. This year, yeah, Joseph Wall looked like he had emerged as the starter um, and and was the future of the position. They they had Martin Jones as the the plan C, and now he's the plan A. But he's mm-hmm. he's more than cromulent. Over the last three years, they're eleventh in save percentage in the National Hockey League, which is factually better than average, mm-hmm. but it's not elite. Have the Leafs done a good job? Let's say over the last three years the goaltending position you just snuck in the word i wanted to use they've been cromulent mm. been fine nothing wrong did with i it. say cromulent you just did i don't even rem- like at the very tail end because oh. i and i forgot what the context was because i got so mad because i wanted to be the one to use it because we <laughs> talked about this after the show yesterday right. that i wanted to get it back in yeah i think that there have been far from home runs outside of really well, I, guess, I I would say Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell were both home run acquisitions mm-hmm. in that you get, I, and it's funny, you know, it was a first round pick and a second for Freddie Anderson. I remember at the time going, okay, that's, you know, it better work out. Yeah, that turned into Sam Steele and Max Comtois. So didn't, uh, didn't exactly kill you there. The Jack Campbell thing, they could not have hit it any more perfectly. He was brought in to be a security blanket. Freddie gets hurt. He gets to be the guy. You wave bye-bye. He's Edmonton's problem. Could not have threaded that needle any more perfectly. Ilya Samsonov. I think the jury's still out if they've threaded the needle perfectly there. But as far as flyers on goalies that you can get for the price they got him at, I'd think they've done a pretty good job there. I'd say the two that you that you feel a little rougher about are Murray. And, you know, if I'm hey, if I'm gonna kill if I'm if I'm gonna kill you know, Bradshaw living for the missed opportunity cost of John Klingberg and not using the money, but not using it in free agency. We have to have the exact same rules for Kyle Dubas there. And yeah, they made it disappear, but they also could have used that money right. on a different guy. Who, and there's Peter Morazic's in like the wake as well. That was exactly the last guy I was going to hit on. Now, 
that was maybe the greatest trade of them all to get out of Peter Mrazek's money to move down six spots yeah. and select a guy who's now playing at the World Juniors. That seems to have worked out pretty well. So I think the reason why they've done such a good job is that they've avoided the disaster miss, which we have seen from teams. Yeah. And the few times they've had one, and really it's just Peter Mrazek. You know, Matt Murray, I think the understanding when they acquired him was always, if this doesn't work out, you're going on LTIR. I think it's pretty safe to say that was the understanding. And you know why? Because he had surgery and he's on LTIR right now. So really the only one that you had to had to get rid of was Mrazek. And I think part of the goaltending discussion is how do you make the problems go away? Because it's such a difficult position that I think we all understand there are going to be misses if you if you try to if you try to acquire a guy there that I think cromulent is the perfect word for it. They've been good enough. They have not had the stalwarts that we talk about, the mm. Shesterkins, the Hellia Bucks, but they've also not for for the most part been lost in the wilderness at the position either. No, it can sink you. Yeah. It's it's the it single that biggest them. reason why, and there's other factors in Edmonton, but it's the single biggest reason this year where they're going to be life and death to make the playoffs is they can't get a save to to save their lives. And, you know, go back to the Flames a season ago as well, missing the playoffs by a single point. You don't think goaltending was a huge part of that? Now, that being said, yeah. like they have not, they haven't taken the big swing, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you consider like what they did last year with with Samsonov and Murray a big swing, I I think it's the, the biggest proper... swing is Anderson. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I I think it's the proper swing that you should be taking. Agreed, goaltenders. Because look at what's happening in Vegas, and Aiden Hill is a guy with like some draft pedigree. I think he's a third round pick, but he's bounced around a couple of different places, and yep. they went out and acquired him. But yeah, he's. I guess the favorite right now to win the Vesna. That's that's what you should be doing with goaltenders. Unless, I guess, like Connor Hellebuck had not re-signed in Winnipeg. That would be the one guy that you could point to as a. Yeah. a, a, a but he's no guarantee. Like he can have an off year as well. Yeah, he had one last year. <laughs> he, yeah. So I think outside of those guys, and there's fewer than five of them, maybe. That you can count in the entire National Hockey League. This is what you kind of got to do. You you got to go. Maybe not quite like running backs in in the NFL, but I think what the Leafs have done, the game plan that they've they've applied to goal, the goaltending position, I think has been the proper modus operandi. Yeah, I agree. I I think the only other the only other way you could do it is if you are able to take a swing. And to your point, these guys are so few and far between. The only guy is really Soros. If you're doing the thing where you're saying, mm-hmm. okay, this guy has proven it now. I think the thing we all have to be a little weary of with Nashville goalies is that, you know, they're playing behind a great defensive system. It's how it's always been there. So it's it's far from a certainty that it just carries over. But I think out the only way where you can take a swing on a guy is a trade like that or you do the Freddie Anderson thing where you're buying low on a guy effectively. You know, I know they gave a first-round pick for him, but you only had to pay him was it five, 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 something Mm -hmm. along those lines, which I know is a little different in the cap picture was signed him, but it's still an incredible steal for a guy who was, you know, he was an all-star various different seasons there. That's the way you have to go about it. The one quibble I would have, and it's not for this Leafs team, but it's for other teams is if you are one of those mushy middle teams and, you know, we've talked a lot about the path to getting better. I can see those teams talking themselves into the big swing on a goaltender that you need to pay because, that's the only route to winning is to have mm. that guy get hot in in the spring and lead you 
lead you with him standing on his head, J.S. Shiger style. You know, I know he led them to a loss, but you understand what I'm saying there. So I think for a good team, you have to do it the way the Leafs do it. If you're one of these more mushy middle teams, then I think maybe you go about it a different way. And then you cross your fingers that you you, you pray that you can draft and develop a goalie because you take him later (laughs) in the the draft and, you know, at least have one who had already reached the National Hockey League level, looked pretty good before he went down in Joe's Wall. And they got another guy in Dennis Hildeby who's uh, keeping up the the AHL numbers. Did you see our boy Josh Cloak? He's already moved on. He's already writing about, you know, it's like just a week ago, he was about Joe Wall and his, oh, he's a Visionary yeah. going to Switzerland. He's already mm-hmm. writing Dennis Hill to be the next one. I saw it yesterday. So, uh, hey, I'd love to. I'd yeah, love but hedging to be his right. bets a little bit too. Yeah, because, good. like, in the, the headline, I think everybody's like, could he be the next prospect maybe. goalie that maybe could possibly <laughs> maybe be a thing? Because, yeah. Goaltending. <laughs> Shark emoji. But he's really tall and he's doing God, well at do the love AHL that. level. Love tall. All right. Leafs seem like they're in a pretty good goaltending position. That Agreed. being said, like, yeah. They could have just it. jinxed it. No, they could have used, like, a couple more saves in the postseason over the last mm, seven years. Always. We're, we're talking about uh, a couple of different uh, scenarios around this team. All right, time now for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Another game, another victory for the Washington Capitals, but another game without a goal for Alex Ovechkin, as now the goalless streak has reached 14. Uh, it's obviously a career high for him. Alex Ovechkin, I guess, is is still going to hang around until he passes Wayne Gretzky, uh, his all-time goal mark, but uh, th- that may now take 20 years at this rate. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, nobody nobody wants that it that way. I was someone who was, you know, critical of Patrick Marlowe at the end with the Gordie Howe record of games played. It's like, I don't know, like, you played him, you get credit for him, but do you want to get it that way, hanging on for the sole purpose of chasing a record and you know Vetchkin's won his cup it's not that that it's going to be happening for we talked about this with Gabby the other day father time undefeated eventually it, it comes for everybody and generally speaking it's not a very slow decline it just kind of falls off a cliff and you know the the greats always seem to have one more surge when we think they're done but man it is uh it's dark days for Ovi in Washington yeah it is and he only has five goals this season I will say and like, not that I've been the most plugged into the caps this year, but you not keeping tabs on Spencer Carberry. I haven't necessarily. <laughs> there's there's this fancy stat mm. though you don't cite all that much. Individual expected goals. It's like how many expected goals you're actually individually creating. Right. Not that your team is creating yep. while you're on the ice. Like you are personally responsible for, which is yeah, it's a a, a general indication of how many goals you, you might have scored this year. Alex Ovechkin leads the Capitals at 12.37 individual expected goals. He also obviously, and this is, man, this would be a real concern if this wasn't the case, leads the Capitals in shots, right? Shots on goal. He's top three in the Capitals on high danger shot attempts, right? Like there is, there's probably a degree of unluckiness that's happening for Alex Ovechkin. I would say if like those indicators... Mm -hmm. We're different if we were we were seeing a guy that just was like no longer capable of getting his shot off. Yep. That that would be a little concerning. Like, do we expect him to shoot five percent for the season? Probably not. No. I mean, even if the shooting percentage drops, it ain't gonna drop all the way to five. So yeah, there's negative regression we see all the time. There's probably some positive regression that he's due for there, but 
you know, with again, without watching it as closely as you do every single night, I wonder where those shots are coming from. Like, are they coming from the same oh, spots you, he's always high, got them from? High danger, like it's it's been there. He's he's had high danger individual high danger shot attempts. He's third on the Capitals with okay. thirty one. Yeah, so still getting his looks. Yeah, I do think shooting percentage will normalize a little bit. I don't think you're going to see him go on some heater where he gets himself back to a forty goal season or anything along those lines. But yeah, if he's still getting the high danger looks, then yeah, I think. I think there is definitely an element to that. The other part of it is that the Cavs power play just isn't quite what it's been in the past. And that's where he's done so, so much of his damage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not like they're scouting him any different than they used to. He's been standing in the exact same spot since he was, you know, 12 years old, just hammering bombs from there. Uh, But yeah, there's some element of it not being the same Backstrom, not there. It was such a key part of the chemistry with them for so many years. So yeah, it's a, it's sad to see, and, you know, I it shouldn't always be this way, but they'll for, be forever tied at the hip. It's impossible to see that and not make you appreciate it even more. Yeah, uh, Ovechkin currently shooting 4.59%, which is, Yuck. I mean, that would be quite a thing to finish the season uh, with that lower percentage. All right, when we come back, back into the Leafs as we talk to Anthony Petrielli of uh, Maple Leafs Hot Stove. Next is the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the Fan Banana, Sprint Gunning. Leafs down to, I believe, 7th. In the NHL in points percentage. For shame. Dropping like a stone. All right. Player for player. Mm-hmm. Roster for roster. Yep. Are the Leafs as good as anybody in the NHL? At least as good as, sorry, they're eighth now after the, the Jets win yesterday. Jets just passed them. So the Leafs eighth in the National Hockey League. Uh, they are, though, third in the Eastern Conference. It goes Rangers, Bruins, Knights, mm-hmm. uh, Golden Knights, uh, Canucks, Kings, Stars, Jets, Leafs. Yeah. Are they as good as anybody in the NHL, a- a- at least as good as anybody in the Eastern Conference? Is goalie a position? Do we count that? It is. Oh, yeah. then God, no. Uh, last time I checked, Martin Jones and Elias Samsonov are still attending that for this team. I know Joe Wall is going to come back at some point in time, but I, we don't get to have best roster conversations if that's, you know, one third of it, basically. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you look at a team like the Rangers and I think the Leafs match up pretty well. I'd like the Leafs forward group ahead uh, of the Rangers forward group. You love the Rangers blue line compared to the Leafs blue line. And then, oh, what's the tiebreaker? I think you like Shesterkin. Mm. So that's kind of the way I do it. And I think more times than not, the goalie ends up being the tiebreaker on this and say what you will about Boston. But yeah, I like their goalie tandem better than I like the Leafs. I like their uh, roster better than the the Sabres right now. Like the, the Sabres got Agreed. nice, nice young players. I'll follow you on that. <laughs> but it hasn't worked out uh, yet again uh, for that team as uh, they will follow up uh, their nine goals allowed performance against the Blue Jackets tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's talk to Anthony Petrelli, uh, Maple Leafs Hot Stove. How's it going, Anthony? How about you? Doing all right. So, okay, I'll ask you the same question. Roster for roster, um, are the Leafs just as good as anybody in the East? I would say as a regular season team, yes, but as a playoff team, no. Like, they clearly need help on defense. I know you guys were just talking about it. Like until they add at least one quality defenseman, I don't think I don't think they're there as a as a team that can do damage. I think they know that they've been forthcoming about it, to be honest. Um, so it's it's kind of incomplete, but sure for a regular season game and like the you know 
December, January. Yeah, they're as good as anybody. All right, I want to do some bigger picture stuff, but we're here. We're talking about the blue line. I haven't I haven't talked to you in a while, so I'll just get your opinion on this. Let's say they make the trade that we all expect them or hope for them, I guess, uh, depending on your perspective to make, and it's the Chris Tanev one. Let's say it's just Chris Tanev, and maybe maybe you add in another, you know, six, six defenseman type. How much would that change your opinion of of the Leafs blue line? Would that be enough to kind of tip the scales one way or another for you? Because I really like Chris Tanev, but I don't know that that completely changes the math of of what I think about the blue line. Yeah, I don't know if it would entirely change the math. Like you would still need, you know, like you would need Timothy Lilgren to play really well. You would need Jake McCabe to continue playing really well. And he kind of, like he struggled in the playoffs last year. And you would also need Chris Tana to stay healthy, right? Which is as big of a question mark of any of those things, considering he's mid thirties, the way that he plays, he's constantly banged up and nicked up. Like that just accumulates not only over time for anybody, but especially for a player, you know, the back half of his career. That said, like, I do think they would at least have enough pieces to play with, to put together a def- like a defense that could do the trick. It wouldn't be, you know, Colorado's defense a few years ago when they won the cup, but it could be like Pittsburgh's defense when they won the cup. It's so funny. That's what everybody, I mean, yes. every time I have the argument, that's what I always go to. Cause you can kind of squint and, and see it. You mentioned McCabe there. Where are you at on, on him? You know, I think he's taken a lot of strides lately. I have been a little higher on him in his tenure as a leaf, as I think most, most would. I've long kind of felt that, and, you know, I suppose you could say this with a lot of guys, but with the right partner, I do feel like he's a perfect guy to have in the top four mix for this team just because of the physicality he brings and they're kind of being a lack of it. I know it's changed a little bit here, but where are you at on McCabe? And, you know, again, with the right partner, I, I understand that's a bit of a big caveat, but what do you think he can be for, for this team? Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that he's, like a top, he could be a top four defenseman as a second pairing mm, exclusively sure. type of guy, right? Like I don't think anyone is is thinking he's a top top minute top pairing type of player. I also think he's a good example of how long it takes players at times to settle in. Like I I think he by and large struggled after getting acquired. I think a, a big part of that is just the byproduct of where he was coming from, right? You get a player from a really bad team and suddenly they go to a really good team. And that, and he'd never been on a good team. So I think there was a really big learning curve and adjustment. And it only took him until almost like a month ago to, to really look comfortable and settle in. I mean, even the beginning of this season, some of the decisions he was making, um, it, it looked like he was forcing it, right? Like he was being unnecessarily yeah. aggressive offensively. And now he's kind of settled down. He quietly has seven points in his last seven games. Mm. Like he, so I think he's kind of, settling into where you would want to see him. Um, I don't know if, if some of that had to do with him being forced to play on the right side with weaker defensemen. And it just kind of forced him to like calm down and maybe not be so aggressive offensively um, the way he was in, in the playoffs, even when he was on the left with TJ Brody, but I, like he's a useful player. Like he's part of the solution here. Yeah. That, that, that Brody McCabe pairing did not work uh, in the postseason a year ago. Let's play it out. Let's play it out further because it just, it it feels like it's just a matter of time. As long as Chris Tanev stays healthy, that he becomes a Toronto Maple Leaf and and whether it costs him a first round pick or whatever, it just feels like 
Yeah, unless Craig Conroy says in in no way, shape, or form am I trading with Bradtree Living in the Toronto Maple Leafs. It just feels like all the pieces are there for that to be the trade. And I guess you you could go back to the success Morgan Riley had with Luke Shen and say, oh, maybe that's a, a top pairing that makes sense. So what happens with Brody in that instance? Because like I said, like didn't look great with with Jake McCabe. Like, are you comfortable enough? With Timothy Lilligren as a top four guy, like how do you see the pairings shaping up? If in fact, if it, it, it's a Chris Tanev big swing, I mean, I would try to I would try to have the Lilligren as as long as possible, right? Like you got to use the time that that you have in terms of the regular season where you to acquire him. Uh, like I think we already see it just on on certain plays. It's nice to have right-handed defensemen on the right side and left-handed yep. defensemen on the left side, right? Like. To no fault of Brody's, it, the, the number of times where the puck goes to him up the wall or it comes shouldn't necessarily go to him, but the other team rims it around the wall in the offensive zone, and the best he can do is stop up and backhand it down into the corner. And there's plays to be made, even if it's just throwing a puck to a net because there's bodies, and you can't do it from that side. And and in the playoffs, those margins are just they're heightened. Plus, I think I think we're seeing. Brody's game like slowly decline, right? Like that. Like it's not like him and Riley have been fantastic together this season. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, like I think Riley's been really good this season. I think Brody's been okay. So it, all that to say is I would try the McCabe Lilligren pair as long as possible. And it's it's hard to remember McCabe is still or sorry Lilligren is still just twenty four. Like he's only played one hundred and fifty three games in the league. So, like, there's, I think there's tons of room there for him to continue to improve. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you would, if you would see them try to at least go back to that McKay Brody pairing. If for nothing else, they're protecting a lead late, right? Yeah. It, it would still probably make sense. But for the flow of a first period, five on five, like just the puck movement and and fluidity and and proper handedness that in the playoff game, I think you'd still want Lodren there. Yeah, I agree. And Lilligren still is the only guy on on that back end that represents a internal case for for improvement or a jump, right? Like if there's anybody on this team that is going to change the dynamic that's on the roster of this Leafs blue line, it kind of has to be him, right? Everyone else is firmly baked in as to what they are as a player. And, you know, I don't think Timothy Lilligren is going to become some shutdown top pair guy, but I do think he's going to continue to make strides. As you mentioned, the, the, the age thing there. Uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about Max Domi. Boy, has he found a home as, as third-line center. Uh, I think the the fun argument I've been having with people about it is, is that his forever home with this Leafs team or in a perfect world are they maybe looking for a, you know, just to throw out a name like a Adam Henrique type to go play that role and then you can have Domi be be kind of more of a winger there with a Yarncroc type. How do you see Domi's place on this team when the, uh, when the playoffs roll around? Yeah, I'm hesitant to say third line center, or I'll call it like a scoring bottom six center because yep. they really do platoon between him and camp. Like camp's actually been playing more than him yeah. by and large lately, but as a, as like an, as a scoring center, I think it's fine. The big question that they have to figure out is I don't think it's necessarily him going to a wing. Cause I don't think he can play wing. Like he was, he was really bad as a, as a winger. He just, he didn't move his feet. And he, he constantly got stuck in mud and he was not getting the puck out or breaking out well at all. I still think we see a little bit of those turnovers at center, but he gets away with it a little bit more there with, with the 
more space to roam in the middle of the ice. I, but I don't think that him and Robertson can play together, at least from what we've seen so far mm. in, in a playoff series, because I just don't think that's a line he'll ever trust mm-hmm. in a tie game. And that's, you, need your th- you need to trust that line if they're going to be any useful to break a game open. And he won't. So then he's going to go back to David Camp, and it's going to be a checking third line. And it's going to be the same old, if the top guys don't do it, know what he's doing in situation. So uh, from a percentage standpoint, the, the Leafs are actually getting fewer goals outside of the, the core four dudes this year than they did a season ago. But uh, to the point about Max Domi and, and Nick Robertson, at times they, they, they've looked formidable offensively, like they look capable of, of creating offense. Do you feel that there's a better chance of getting depth scoring with this group, or is that still an issue? I mean, it's always nice to have more scoring. I don't think anyone would, would turn it down. I do think, like, I, I hear what you're saying from a percentage standpoint, but I do think they have more guys that are capable right. of, like, making a play. Right? Like, it, it's not to knock on the guy. He's no longer here. But, like, you know, the number of times, like, Alex Kerfoot had a two-on-one over the past couple of years where, like, he wouldn't even flinch. Yeah. Right? Like, you, like you're not even excited when he's crossing the blue line with it. You're like, <laughs> okay, well. We knew what was going to happen, right? It w- and it wasn't. It wasn't like you were ever shocked or anything. Like you just, certain guys are good at certain things. He's a checking forward. He's, you know, he's not going to go down and, and rip one into the net. Like that's just yeah. not his game. So I do think they have a little bit more in terms of, you know, guys that can, can do those kinds of things. Uh, you know, even, even on a low, on a lower scale, you'd look at a guy like Noah Gregor compared to like Zach Austin Reese, like one of those two guys can go down and rip a puck into the net and it's not Zach Austin Reese. So I think they have guys who are capable of, of having a moment. We'll call it. Um, so what that means, I'm not sure, but I think they still need another forward regardless. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It'll be interesting. I, you know, I think the biggest question I have is how aggressive Treliving will be. I mean, we've already heard people laying the groundwork of, eh, they don't have a second-round pick. If they want to really do any shopping, it's got to be one of the two World Junior kids or or that first-round pick. And that's kind of the question I've had about Treliving and all this. You know, like, obviously there is impetus from Shanahan to want to continue to push these things forward. But if you're Brad Treliving, and not that those two don't think in lockstep, or I don't think he would have got the job, quite frankly. But if you're Brad Treliving, you're sitting here going, you know, I'm not Cal Dubas. I wasn't building, building, building to a crescendo every year. This is the start of my journey as, as Leafs GM. How much do you think he'll kind of have an internal battle of, do I keep my powder dry? Do I make a tinker move? Is this the time to do what Kyle Dubas did somewhat early in his Leafs tenure and make my big Jake Muzzin trade, whoever that may be? What's your kind of read on, on Treliving and how aggressive you expect him to be this year? And has it has it kind of changed over the last 10 games or so as this team's really been on a tear? Yeah, I don't, maybe not change, but like if they're, if they're competing for the division and they are right now, like it, it's a real possibility they win the division, which is exciting. Like that, that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has any choice but to be a buyer of some capacity. So one thing I wonder with him is if they'll be um, a lot more guarded, we'll call it in terms of acquiring a pure rental. Right, like Ryan O'Reilly ended up being a pure rental. Nick Felino ended up being a pure rental. And they gave first round picks for both of them. I would be hard pressed to see him coming in and just giving up a first round pick for a pure rental. 
And to your point, they don't have a second round pick. Like I could see them giving up a first, but not for a guy that they don't either, you know, comes with term or somehow upside or there's an extension in place. I just, that would be my surprise if he just walked in and, and started throwing out a first round pick uh, to a guy that was a pure rental who they again watched leave in the, in the off season for absolutely nothing um, of the like 20 plus games. So that, that he seems a little bit more guarded on that side of things, but I like it, it would be wild for him to not buy. Like he has to buy. I think. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the the way this team had been playing, way it's still been playing uh, for for the most part of the season, considering some of the names that are on the blue line right now, I, I think that it's it's due an addition. Um, you mentioned the competing atop the Atlantic Division, the possibility existing of them winning the Atlantic uh, and and overpassing the the Boston Bruins. Like, what would that do as far as your perception of this team's ability to to go deep in the postseason if, for the first time in the Austin Matthews tenure, they finished atop their division going into the postseason? I think it's significant. I think people are downplaying it. I get it. They've, they've lost, you know, they've had very short playoff runs, like seven years running. You can include last year to some capacity. They won the first round finally, but then they lost in five pretty, pretty tidy. Um, and you know, it's like the, I throw this out there all the time and the common response I get back is like, I don't care until playoffs. But like the reality is you need to set yourself up for the best possible success come playoff time. And we were talking uh, at the beginning of the show about the, or when I hopped on about the East and, and sort of how the Leafs are. And I think if nothing else, it's very clear right now in the Leafs division that the Leafs, Bruins and Panthers, although they've been slumping lately are in the top tier of some capacity. And now there's a bit of a gap and then there's Tampa. And if you wanted to include like Detroit, which I wouldn't, or whoever else, you can feel free. But I think it's pretty clear that those three teams are in a, their own class now. And, and Tampa's kind of taken a step back, at least for the time being, notwithstanding any trade deadline acquisitions. So just the reality of avoiding back-to-back series against Florida and Boston at this point mm. Like, like, I think that's significant. Not only do I think both teams are really good, I think both teams are grinds. Like, I, I think Florida's a, like a really big problem, like physically. Um, Boston is no cakewalk. Like, that, you know, those are two really tough series if you have to do them back-to-back. Like, I think winning the division really, really increases your odds in terms of, you know, giving yourself a good path. Yeah, and it's it's not your brother's older Tampa Bay Lightning or your older brother's Tampa Bay Lightning, but God, I, there's something I would not want to see about that. And to your point, way better than a uh, way better option than than Boston or, or Florida. But God, it'd be a cruel, cruel joke if they win the division, and that's what's lurking for them. Uh, I think a big I think a big say in whether they win the division will be uh, whoever it is that stands between the pipes. I would expect Martin Jones to get the start again here tonight. What do you think they do with Samsonov? I mean, you know, we all, I think even the people who are most of an understanding of you can't lose him, you got to make sure you build him back up, understand that it's tough to throw him in the net right now. How do you think the Leafs will kind of handle this thing? And is it as simple as, well, don't worry, there'll be some regression from Martin Jones and that will allow Samsonov back in the net. And then you kind of go from there. I imagine he still gets at least a game a week, no matter what. Right. So if at minimum it's, it's dipping his toe into the water 
Um, part of me almost wonders, like, get them in net on the road, right? We we see that kind of commonly yep. with guys when they're struggling, like just get them out of get them out of the building, get them out of the area. Yeah, famous lease uh, road game in in Buffalo where mm. it doesn't feel like home at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's not a road game, and and if they go to Ottawa, that's not a road game either, but. If, you know, trying to get them out of the building and, sure. and a little bit out of the area, sometimes just, like, shake it up. Like, I mean, whatever the case is, is between, it's clearly between the ears. I don't think, I don't think anyone thinks that he's not a talented player. Like, as skill-wise, he's got it, and he's always had it. He's a, he was a first-round pick, like, which is a rare thing we see for goalies. He's clearly skilled. I mean, in Washington, it was probably the same sort of case of uh, there were, you know, issues mentally, we'll call it, and it impacted his play, and he never really hit the level that they wanted him to. And in Toronto, he finally started to do it last year, and and now we're we're kind of seeing it regress, I guess, if you want to call it that. But it just the the strange thing of it all is, it really seems like when he gets some pressure on him from the the other goalie playing well, um, it's not helping his game. You know, like even. His his best his best stint was like right immediately after Wool got hurt, mm-hmm. and it looked like you're just like yeah the net's yours like we don't have a choice, and and he played well for a few and then and then Martin Jones played well, and then it kind of went back down which was kind of similar how the season started too uh, with Joseph Wool like he instantly put pressure on and it, it kind of started tilting so like I don't know I, they got to work with him maybe on being just more of a tandem kind of platoon goalie, but that's that's really the day and age that goaltending is in, right? Like it's about platooning. The the thing that I'll always go back to is his series against Tampa was the best goalie playoff series the Leafs have had yeah. since like Eddie Belfour, mm-hmm. right? Like they like they don't win that series with any other goalie they've had over the past like fifteen years. And uh, Vasilevsky looking like somebody different. Helped. Certainly helped. Yeah. 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 Uh, Figuring out that, yeah, you beat him by firing pucks high from the point, I guess. Uh, Yeah. It's true. Stupid Martin Jones had to play well and ruin Ilya Samsonov again. Uh, What a man. Anthony, uh, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Anthony Petrielli of uh, Maple Leafs. Hot stove. Curtis Sanford, goaltending consultant for the Leafs, or coach, going to have to go up to Marty and tell him to take the dive? Yeah. It's like, you got to, hey, I, well, I well, allowed four goals. I know. So it's the Leafs need to put up a seven spot, and then Jones needs to get pumped for like four in the third period. So they still win the game, and then you go back to Samsonov. It's ridiculous that we have to have these conversations. But hey, it's a goal. Like, I guess it's goaltending in the NHL, buddy. If it wasn't like this, we'd have more answers about it. Yeah, and and Anthony's right that like right out of the shoot when uh Joseph Wall went down, yeah, Ilya Samsonov had the the shutout yeah. in like the most perfect 60-minute hockey game the Leafs have played mm-hmm. this season against the Nashville Predators. And then after that, he was less good, gave up four in overtime in that Islanders game. Martin Jones got the win on the back-to-back at MSG. It was the Columbus game where it was like that's it's the one Martin shining Jones. beacon where it was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, because Martin Jones played decent the day before, or the game before, so. Yeah. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Let's talk about this Leafs game tonight in Buffalo against the Sabres, where the Toronto Maple Leafs are uh, minus 182 favorites 
on the road against the Sabres, who are plus 150 after giving up nine goals to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the total in this game is seven, Brent. I go to the total. I think you got to go under. Seven's a big number. I know they just gave up a 1,000 goals. I know it's the Leafs, but seven is just such a big number. I'm going to take the under there. It's a pick em either way on it, uh, but give me the under minus 110. I think that's what I feel most confident about there. You're taking the under? Yeah, I am. This is the Leafs, man. Every time that you think the game they're going to have, they have the opposite game. You got to Costanza in oh when it comes to your Leaf betting. I mean, it's it's a half I know goal you'll appreciate higher. That. It's, a, it's a half game, a half goal higher at seven is usually it's at six and a half but yeah e- e- even odds on the over and the under give me give me over seven again like the sabers coming off a game in which mm-hmm. they gave up nine i get it like yeah. maybe there's a bounce back yeah. a foot here yeah I- i'm not no offense to like either martin jones or Ilya samsonov it's not okay. i don't have the most confidence in either guy going like could easily give up uh four or five of their own tonight in this game give me the over right. seven in this game thursday nighter Al Michaels counting down the days until his yeah, it's a real season football is, game, though. is done. Yeah, it is a real football game, especially grading on the Thursday night curve. Um, in L.A., the Rams are hosting the New Orleans Saints, both teams with playoff aspirations, and it's uh, the Rams bouncing back after last year's uh, disappoint, disappointing season. They are four-point favorites at home against the Saints. It's Thursday, but everybody say it with me. We take the points on Thursday. Saints plus four, minus 110. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it is Thursday night, and boy, yeah, I, I don't feel great about the Saints in a football game Mm-mm. wagering money, but yeah, it, it's it's these games always end up with bizarre results, so uh, I'll take the points as well. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet. Local. When we come back, we'll talk to our pal Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporters. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.